It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. It's time once again for the agriculture conversation on the LaneCast. Our focus today is the future of the Endangered Species Act and its impact it has on ranchers across the nation. And also we will be discussing the role that the Public Lands Council plays for the nation's ranchers. Our guest is the American Sheep Industry Association's Chase Adams. He's ASI Senior Policy and Information Director, and he will be joining us discussing the issues impacting the sheep industry and the public lands ranching industry here today. But first, I just need to give a shout out to the Public Lands Council, who is sponsoring today's show. They're celebrating 50 years here in 2018, advocating for the Western ranchers who preserve the nation's natural resources and providing vital food and fiber to the nation and the world. For more on their 50th annual meeting, September 26th through the 29th in Park City, Utah, visit the publiclandscouncil.org. We'll be back right after this. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast apps. Now, back to the show. Coming back here today, our guest is the American Sheep Industries Association's Chase Adams. Chase, how are things going today? Hey, good to hear from you, Lane. Everything is uh, doing well. The West is looking green almost without exception, so I tell you, we are uh, uh, we are in tall grass this year. Chase is actually joining us on the phone from South Dakota today. He has been all over the West over the past few weeks and talking with a lot of sheep producers and public lands ranchers over the past couple of days out on the road, but there was some very big news recently, and that was the Senator from Wyoming, Senator John Barrasso, introducing the Endangered Species Act of 2018 amendments. Chase, let's talk about the Endangered Species Act, how it currently is, and how that impacts sheep producers that you represent across the nation. Absolutely, Lane. Well, unfortunately, the Endangered Species Act for too long has taken a top-down approach, which has been driven by federal regulation and litigation, and that has led to just a dismal failure for the act. And that dismal failure affects land managers, it affects local governments, and most importantly, it affects the species that are supposed to be being recovered through this act. And that is uh, that is the real shame here, is that an act that uh, started out with good intentions and an act, you know, that, that a lot of us uh, support in concept, the recovery of endangered species, is just simply not, uh, not coming up with that outcome. As a fact, uh, less than 2% of the species listed on the ESA have ever been deemed to be recovered. So... We really appreciate uh, Senator Barrasso and his leadership and the Wyoming delegation for bringing forth these uh, common sense proposals that return more local input. The folks that actually know the land, know the uh, federal lands in their area, know the private lands in their area, understand the habitat and the environment, uh, those are the folks that really need to be driving decisions and making the decisions for ESA listings and uh, uh, Senator Barrasso's uh, uh, legislation would, would do just that, really return local control. Now what is the importance for the sheep producers, the cattlemen and women across the nation to have that local input? Uh, what do you hear from them and, and their frustrations from previous years? 
You know, whether we're talking about Endangered Species Act, we're talking about forest or BLM management as a whole, it's, it's always kind of a touch point for, for producers that you talk to when you have this top-down, federal government-down kind of management because the fact of the matter is that does not uh, that does not result in very good management and for folks that are on that particular piece of ground they're seeing the they're seeing the disaster whether it's uh, you know whether it's just poor range conditions or the endangered species act it's it's not a recovery and it's also uh, you know regulatory uncertainty for them they don't know exactly what uh, uh, what to expect they don't know from year to year how a listing is going to affect uh, they're grazing multiple use on these uh, on these federal lands, and so returning some uh, some local control really returns accountability to these programs, uh, and uh, and puts uh, uh, puts all users of these lands in in a little bit better uh, better position for for knowing exactly what's going to happen year to year and how they can best uh, manage to uh, uh, to work with that. What is the American Sheep Industry Association's feeling out in Washington, D.C. in regards to how this will progress through Congress? Uh, there's going to be roadblocks, no doubt, but do you feel confident that uh, Senator Barrasso's amendments can go forward to help uh, reshape and reform the Endangered Species Act? Well, you know, Lane, one of the biggest things about these amendments is they come from a bipartisan working group through the Western Governors Association. So the Western Governors Association, uh, nearly five years ago, started uh, undertaking this and has been has their eye, has had their eye on uh, ESA for for longer than that. But this uh, these amendments come from uh, from years of of working with the bipartisan Western Governors Association. So they are well thought out, well vetted. And they're coming from uh, from the folks that are politically accountable in these uh, in in these western states. So I think that certainly helps us out. Uh, Senator Barrasso's long-term leadership in the Senate uh, helps us out as well. And uh, I believe that uh, that we've got the makeup right now uh, in uh, in both chambers of Congress to certainly take a hard look at some of these issues that we haven't been able to uh, haven't been able to tackle in the past. I'm hoping maybe even the uh, the midterm elections might uh, might help us out a little bit more. That might be a little optimistic on my part, but uh, you know the the biggest thing about this is is making sure you know for so long ESA listings uh, really affected the western states. Now uh, towards the tail end of the last administration, we saw potential listings of uh, bees and butterflies and some of those things. Uh, you know the the effect, the reach of the ESA has pushed farther and farther east. More and more producers uh, are, are seeing the effects of those listings. Uh, so I think that is helping, uh, helping spread this from just being a, a Western issue to an issue that, uh, uh, that folks across the country can, can now understand the, the challenges that we've been facing for two decades now. And some of those other challenges, Chase, that uh, sheep producers and uh, cattle producers as well face is just having the opportunity and to still continue to graze on public lands. The multi-use of our public lands includes grazing, and that is very important not only to the livestock industry, but we've talked about it so much here on the Langcast that, of course, the health of our rangelands and forest lands. So let's talk about uh, the relationship that the American Sheep Industry Association has with the Public Lands Council. We mentioned it, that the Public Lands Council is the sponsor of today's show. So let's give them a little bit of a commercial 
but uh, but but in all seriousness, uh, let's talk about the important role the PLC plays for the nation sheep producers. The PLC is very very important to uh, to so many of our producers. About fifty percent, uh, nearly fifty percent of. U.S. sheep spend some time grazing on federal lands, and that's why, as you say, nearly 50 years ago, we're coming up on that 50-year anniversary, nearly 50 years ago, sheep producers uh, from the American Sheep Industry Association uh, saw the need to join with cattle producers from uh, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and other associations to form the Public Lands Council so we could have one unified voice as public lands grazers on public land-specific issues because those issues are are just so unique to the states uh, in in the West. Uh, they don't uh, they don't share a lot of corollary with uh, uh, with Ohio or even with with Texas. So the importance of having uh, a group like the Public Lands Council that is laser focused on these issues of multiple use on federal lands has been critical to our success over the last 50 years and is going to be critical to our success over the next 50 years. And one of the things from the sheep industry that has just really got uh, got me and our guys roiled up is just, you know, the the unintended consequences of having environmental litigation from groups like Western Watersheds and Wild Earth Guardians driving land management policies on federal lands. That has been, I think, the greatest detriment to the health of those ranges, to multiple use, and uh, and the overall uh, sustainability of federal lands grazing into the future. And we have got to tackle that, but I believe that uh, uh, we have the leadership in Washington, D.C., and the tools from uh, uh, from the federal lands uh, side on uh, on ASI and the public land, working uh, very collaboratively with the Public Lands Council to one, bring attention to these issues, that uh, these frustrations that have been plaguing us for far too long, and two, to actually find solutions to them with a uh, Congress and administration that have proven that they want to tackle these issues. Looking ahead for the next 50 years, what, what are the goals for the sheep industry in, in continuing and fostering that relationship with the Public Lands Council? Is it better communication with the public, better education for outdoorsmen as well on the uh, importance of public lands? What, what are the goals of ASI moving ahead looking towards the next 50 years of PLC? You know, Lane, I think the uh, sheep industry has got a great horizon uh, after a number of years of, uh, of loss of numbers, some of that due to drought and other factors, uh, especially some of these federal lands issues. I think that we are in a strong position to grow. Wool prices have been strong. Lamb prices have, uh, have certainly held in there. I think that uh, the sheep industry and the Public Lands Council have a tremendous story to tell on uh, on sustainability and on uh, range health, you know, uh, habitat uh, 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 habitat husbandry. We have got uh, absolutely uh, great data coming out and uh, and more to come. But uh, it seems like after you know 30 years of ignoring sound science and and going with uh, uh, you know kind of just knee jerk reactions from the conservationist community, I think now they're finally starting to see the value of working with local ranchers and uh, supporting their local economies because it's these ranchers out there on the range that are providing 
open space and keeping uh, development at a, at a minimum from uh, private lands, also uh, grazing those federal lands and keeping the fire load down, enhancing wildlife habitat. You know, we're seeing that in the sage-grouse issue. For so long, it seemed like uh, the only solution for sage-grouse habitat coming from the feds and the conservationists was to absolutely get grazing out of there. Now, uh, those folks are starting to realize that grazing by, uh, uh, by sheep and cattle is, uh, is the best way to preserve sage-grouse habitat and uh, increase sage-grouse luck numbers. Also, one issue that jumps into my mind here right now, what was it, two winters ago now, you flew into Bozeman and you and I jumped in my pickup and drove up to Helena and joined sheep producers and outdoorsmen for the Bighorn Sheep Domestic Sheep Symposium. And that was really an open dialogue where I would say 90% of the people were there to actually listen to each other and, and how to uh, work together to have a viable future for bighorn sheep. And uh, how, how is that uh, working group and relationship going? I, I guess I haven't uh, followed up too much on that. Uh, how is the working uh, w with the advocates and uh, on the bighorn end of things? You know, in a number of our states, those relationships have been very positive, as in uh, as in Montana and the symposium that you mentioned. Uh, I think Colorado is certainly working towards that, as well as uh, as Wyoming and other states across the West. Um, you know, when we can when we can put those partisan differences aside and actually sit down and and talk about these issues, we can get a tremendous amount done. Uh, unfortunately, there are folks out there, you know, I mentioned some of them, Western Watersheds and Wild Earth Guardians, that just flat want uh, want grazing off the land. They want, uh, uh, they've targeted sheep grazing and they've certainly uh, targeted cattle grazing as well. They want us off the range. That is not a position that we can ever sit down and have an open dialogue with. But uh, for, for folks that are willing to uh, uh, look at the, the uh, look at the fact and admit that there should be a uh, healthy, sustainable domestic sheep population, and there should be a healthy, sustainable uh, wildlife population. That's the position of the American Sheep Industry Association. We can certainly sit down and, and have those discussions. And uh, since that uh, since that meeting in uh, in Helena a year and a half ago, I think it probably was, uh, we have had some new science come out that has been. Uh, tremendously helpful uh, for our cause, just kind of showing that these pathogens that initially were thought to only be uh, only be harbored by domestic sheep are actually uh, are actually present in uh, in many other wildlife uh, that come into contact with bighorn sheep. They're also uh, endemic in bighorn sheep. So, you know, I think that uh, if if we can get to a place where we're no longer pointing the finger at uh, at domestic grazing and multiple use, but actually looking collaboratively at how we can how we can uh, uh, spend research dollars and uh, and direct uh, uh, information to uh, to ensure that we have healthy populations. I think we're going to be in a in a better spot, and I do believe we're getting very very close to that now. Chase, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience listening to the Lancast today? Well, I just I uh, appreciate it, Lane, and uh, you know, like I say, tremendous opportunities I think for uh, uh, for domestic sheep industry right now as we're seeing uh, stronger demand, and we're certainly seeing more and more folks trying uh, delicious American lamb. So 
I think the uh, the outlook is bright. Uh, you know, we've got a great story, as we say, to tell on uh, on sustainability. I mean, this is a critter that is turning uh, uh, turning grass resources that we have in abundance across the West into healthy meat, into uh, a fiber that uh, you can use in in uh, all weathers. And uh, you know, there's just there's just a tremendous story to tell from the uh, from the sheep industry. Tremendous optimism in this industry right now. We've got a few hurdles to get over as we mentioned on on federal lands and getting that story pumped out there a little bit further but uh, uh, we appreciate all your effort in, in helping us get that done and uh, and we look forward to uh, to working very collaboratively with the Public Lands Council to address many of these issues uh, here in the next couple of years. Chase Adams, again, thank you for joining us with the American Sheep Industry Association. For more on ASI, just visit sheepusa.org. And also, we discussed quite a lot about the Public Lands Council. Visit them at the publiclandscouncil.org as well. And to learn more about their 50th annual meeting coming up at the end of September in Park City, Utah. Chase, again, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, Lane. Always a pleasure. And that is going to do it. Thank you to everyone who joined the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast. I'm Talking Ag Lane Northland, your voice for agriculture. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talking Ag Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.